Hello everyone, it is Tim from Video Game Fury. It is Monday, October 16th, 2017. I am here, as always, to give you the latest and greatest in video game news, playthroughs, industry talk, and the latest in my studies of working and learning about the game dev space. Hope you guys had a great weekend. We got a lot of great stuff to talk about on the dock, some late-breaking stuff that I missed on Friday's show, and some nice playthroughs of some of the latest games that have come out recently. I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, Going to have a great show today. Let's see how it goes. Alright guys, so I kind of have a late-breaking story on Friday. I unfortunately didn't get a chance to cover this as I compiled the episode earlier in the day, but the big news from Friday that I thought would be good to cover... At the top of the show is IGN, the big media conglomerate that covers everything from uh, games, movies, shows, and comic books. They have acquired Humble Bundle. Pretty wild, huh? <laughs> it happened on Friday there. There were no financial terms of the deal, according to what Gamasutra is reporting. They weren't disclosed, but the uh, CEO of Humble Bundle, Jeffrey Rosen, put out a little blog post that day saying that they chose IGN because they understand their vision, their passion for games, and they believe in the mission to not only promote some great digital content, but also be able to help charity. Uh, they couldn't find a better partner than IGN to help with this continuing quest. Now, I like the I love the Humble Bundle. It's one of the reasons I have great games on my Steam account, like Undertale, Hyperlight Drifter, Darkest Dungeon. Really great stuff there. I do question the model quite a bit <laughs> sometimes. I just kind of wonder myself how do developers make anything off this, considering that, you know, I remember, like I said, Hyperlight Drifter and a couple other games I bought for easily no no more over than 10 bucks. It was, it was just a ridiculous price for uh, for me, of course, for, for, for me, but I can only imagine, you know, are they making anything off this? And I don't know. But that, that point aside, you know, they put out these bundles, and you pay what you want, and the more you pay, you can uh, unlock more games, and the price you pay, a bunch of that money goes to charity, whether it's the charity of Humble Bundle's Choice or, or of your own. It's, it's, up to, it's up to the bundle. So this is, a, this is a very interesting deal here, and obviously it's, you know, Humble Bundle is more than just uh, those little charity deals. They have their own little digital storefront called the Humble Store. They have a subscription service called Humble Monthly. I think they just started getting into game publishing too, so they definitely got their hands in a lot of pies on the bundle side, and I think it was reported that uh, they have raised at least over a hundred million dollars uh, over the ten million customer base that they have, uh, which is pretty impressive. So it's an it's an interesting thing. IGN of all people, uh, a big media conglomerate who's been around for at least a couple of decades. Would want would go in and, and buy this here now. The question, obviously, with any acquisition is where they go with this publication from here. Um, a lot of people are concerned about this acquisition presenting a source of conflict of interest, considering that IGN is all about providing editorial coverage. I mean, are they going to be like? Uh, is there going to be a lot more bias towards the games that Humble Bundle publishes, or or what, or the content that they're providing out there through the bundles they advertise? I mean, the report seems to indicate that they're going to continue to operate independently in the wake of the acquisition. Now, if I know anything about acquisitions, you know, usually that first year or so, uh, I speak this as someone who uh, originally came from an acquisition and working for a bigger company. You know, you usually get that first year or so where you're 
you are independent because you know it's a transition period you uh, are still doing the way things were you uh you start getting a little more info about what the culture of the place you got acquired in is is coming into and then eventually there's talks about okay how do we integrate you guys further into the pipeline if you will i can only imagine as much as they're saying that they're going to operate independently now what is that going to look like in the next couple of years it'll be a very interesting choice and i just i try to put my hat wrap my head around ign and what they possibly could do with it other than have the means to have first access to what stuff what stuff the humble bundle guys are doing in terms of their store and their and their publishing initiative but that's about it so obviously very minuscule details right now since the deal was only announced last friday but I'm sure over time, like I said, as we get more info into their plans and really understand where Humble, Humble Bundle fits in the bigger IGN picture is going to be interesting to see. Uh, I just wonder if the culture of Humble Bundle will remain intact as it goes through this process. Uh, some companies uh, that are acquired do get through it pretty well, some not necessarily. Uh, if anything in the uh, the game publishing business can tell you, Sometimes those ideas and plans don't work out the way you want. And I think a, a good example is uh, Vivendi's uh, whole deal with uh, working with Activision and what they're trying to do with Ubisoft. So just have to see how this plays out here. But this was the big story on Friday that came on the loose, and uh, we'll see where it goes. So I've been seeing a lot of controversy coming out of CD Projekt Red, supposedly, related to some rumors about some departures at the studio lately, particularly around their latest game that they're working on, Cyberpunk 2077. And a lot of this is coming from some anonymous reviews that are showing up on Glassdoor. Uh, if you don't know what that is, that's where you can basically check out the companies and learn about some of uh, the, who the company is, what some of the reviews are saying, salaries and interview process and so on. And it's interesting to, 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 to see this here, that people are kind of think that the studio morale is going down as a result of some of these developers that have departed recently. And as a result, the co-founders of CD Projekt Red, uh, Marcin Nowinski and Adam Badowski, decided to put out an official statement on Twitter to kind of respond to the rumors. And it's a pretty boilerplate answer. They did get into little specifics about, you know, whether the projects are not. They're saying that the game uh, Cyberpunk 2077 is progressing as planned, and they pretty much went into it saying, well, look, you know, I mean, we were we we're a big company. We went from 200 people working on Witcher 3, which was their last game, uh, to over to double that amount. And in that time, uh, with a massive studio like that, they pretty much said, hey, do people leave? I'm yeah, sure they do, and we, we do wish them the best and respect their decisions to do so, and we try to do what we can to make the environment here as a good workplace for everybody. Uh, but by no means does a departure, even high-profile one, mean that the project is in danger. Uh, it's, they, they pretty much go to the lines of saying it's silly to base the future of a AAA role-playing game on the scope of one person or even a group of people leaving. So what I got from this basically is that it's progressing as planned, that nobody uh, has anything to worry about it. I at least am assured by that at least because, you know, they kind of put their heads on down on this for a while. I mean, the game, the Cyberpunk game, was announced back in 2012, like even like three years before Witcher 3 came out, they had announced that, and 
you know, I, we shouldn't be surprised it's taken that long if they're if they were still working on that as well as Witcher Three. I'm pretty sure Cyberpunk was in pre-production during the time that Witcher Three was being made. Um, knowing knowing how these guys work and the scope of their games, you, you, no one should be surprised that it's taking them a while to do it. My 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 personal point on this for people who are kind of inflating that uh, there's a lot of bad morale going on and that there are people leaving. I mean, this is you know, this is the industry as it is. I mean, if you uh, remember, uh, I did a segment on the book I had recently called Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. Uh, Witcher Three was one of the chapters, and how CD Projekt Red puts the time and effort into it. And you know, they are these guys are perfectionists. They want to basically create this big, sprawling open world with plenty of stuff to do. And believe me, um, Witcher 3 really, you know, including the DLCs, sucked up a great amount of my time, months of my time, just to get to get the full meats of all the stories. And, you know, stuff like that can get challenging after a while. I mean, we don't know the reasons as to why these people left and why these reviews are showing up, but, you know, this is the, the, the game industry as a whole. I mean, it's, it's, it can get pretty intense working in this stuff. Uh, you you don't see your families as much, especially when you're in that crunch period where you're trying to get the game out on time. There's um, it's, it's a lot to it takes this toll on that I think we uh, have to understand too. Again, we don't know specific reasons why these people left, and we may never know, at least not for a long while, depending on the uh, negotiation of the uh, of, of how the people left. But I mean, you you you, you get to think you know developers after a while if they've worked on a game for a very long time they want to find new challenges uh, or if they or if they just need to chill for a little bit and get their head together they do that too I mean this is a it's a pretty common thing to hear and, it's, and I think if you read Blood Sweat and Pixels like I talked about before they could definitely you'll definitely get a better understanding and also appreciation for what these guys go through. So hopefully we'll hear something soon about the game. I, mean, I, th- I don't think this is going to be anything that's earth-shattering for CD Projekt Red. I mean, they are very profitable company, a uh, very profitable company, not just with the the last few Witcher games and Gwent, but also the the GOG.com platform that they own. So they're not they're not going away for a while, and you know they seem very head-on and focused based on this message that they were going to concentrate on Cyberpunk and uh, deliver it uh, anytime soon. So that's the gist of it there. Um, So, you know, business as usual for these guys. We'll see what happens next. All right, let's get some game time in here. First thing I want to talk about, finally got to get my hands full on to Cuphead. I downloaded it on Friday after playing a nice few minutes of a demo at the New York Comic Con. I was hooked enough. I already knew, just looking at the videos, that this was going to be something that really stood out amongst the rest. And believe me, this has been a really crowded year for gaming. So the art style is really what's going to make it stand out. And I think they just did a spectacular job with this game, really showcasing what it's all about. I played maybe about four or five hours into this here. And, you know, first off, I mean, the visual style, oh my gosh. I mean... So straight out of, like, a Disney Steamboat Willie 30s cartoon. Just from the way it in- introduces itself with the kind of grainy effects that start the screen. And then the the, the start menu is a nice little uh, kind of show tunes touch uh, with Cuphead. And I think his pal's name is Mughead. Kind of just dancing back and forth on the screen, waiting for you to press start. 
and the premise is really simple. It's basically they they go through uh, the beginning of the story where Cuphead and Mughead are going out having fun, and they stumble upon a casino. They're doing really well playing, I guess, craps or something or dice. And the devil notices the devil notices this, tells them to raise the stakes. That they'll be, like win a really big prize, or they'll lose their souls. They get snake eyes, and they lose their souls. So. Cuphead and Mughead begged them to consider a better offer, and so he puts them to work to say, hey, you need to go and collect the contracts of, of these debts. And that's where you go out and... <laughs> that's where you go out and do your thing and uh, take on all these incredibly hard bosses. My God, this game is so hard. <laughs> and I think that's just the intriguing thing about it is that it looks so, so cartoonish and, and cute with the way it presents itself, but... Man, this game just punishes you right out of the gate. I mean, I mean, it's definitely a focus on boss levels more than anything else. You have the occasional platforming run-and-gun type of game. But, man, these bosses are ridiculous. I mean, I'm only about... I think I'm, I've defeated three bosses so far. I beat a mausoleum to get like an extra superpower, and there's one run-and-gun level in the beginning... And I'm stuck at this one part where you're flying a plane, and there's this, uh, I guess she's like a witch or something, because he, she keeps changing into stuff like a bull or a couple of other witches. And then just when you think you beat her, she turns into this giant half moon that takes up half the screen. I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> but that's the that's the selling point of this here. I mean, it, it basically... This is Contra, basically, is the way I look at it. It's just keep going to the right or left, shoot things down. If you touch something, you lose a life or you lose a heart. I mean, you have the added bonus of if you're two-player, if one of you dies, you can go and click the A button and bring them back to life. But, uh, yeah, this brought me a lot to the old days of Contra and Contra 3 on the Super Nintendo. I mean, my goodness, it's so hard. If this and I think the the thing that really hooks is the variation, like, you know, just when you think you're dealing with one part of the boss level, it transforms into something else. Like, I mean, what game can you say when you're fighting two frogs with boxing gloves, they're firing uh, little fireflies at you and tornadoes, and next thing you know, one frog swallows the other and turns into a slot machine? You know? <laughs> I can't even describe fully some of the stuff that they transform into. And I'm not even I'm not even through the first world yet. There's four more I think it's three more worlds actually, now that I think about it. To go through. And I'm not sure how much more harder it's gonna be. I'm still in the first world and this is just incredibly hard at its own. The learning curve the learning curve does not go from easy to hard like that, like most games. This is from hard to harder. And that's what I love about it. It's the kind of challenge we're missing in a lot of games nowadays. I think uh, as much as the Big open world games are pretty cool. Like Horizon Zero Dawn is definitely up there as one of my favorite games of the year. But even I had to say at the very end when we got to the last boss, it was pretty easy to get through. And granted, I'd done all the side quests. I leveled up to the max to get to where I was. But it was I was hoping a little more challenge there than that. This one just punishes you to death. And it's exactly what we need from a game like Cuphead. Um, definitely go check this out. It's really, really worth it. And I figure I'll give you one more Destiny 2 update. I've been making a little more progress than usual. I got to play some Iron Banner. 
after I finally got a crucible, a couple of crucible matches in to unlock that. And I didn't tell you the the four by four fire play is a really good improvement. A lot of people would say it was going to be uh, a negative after it went down from six by six, but this is this really makes it tight and pretty tense. You know, they realize you don't have that many enemies to take down. Uh, this, this, you know, especially when you're playing control, which seems to be the theme of Iron Banner this week. I mean, there's a lot of pressure to hold those, hold those, hold those zones down while you go uh, do your thing and, and deal with these other guys while trying to take other zones. It's uh, it's pretty tight. I mean, it's not nothing different than the first game in terms of how you play it, but you know, I think the minus of two characters from each team. Has really uh, upped the uh, the nerve level a little bit <laughs> when you try to uh, collect certain prizes and loot. But beyond that, I mean, just I continue to just be. I I, I see now what they did here. I mean, I, as you probably heard me mention on yesterday's show, finished the campaign and I pretty much it was fine. It definitely was better than the first vanilla Destiny campaign. But you know, I feel like there was a little more left to be desired in how they portrayed it. I feel like. You know, we, uh, the story beats were kind of there. They hit their notes, but they didn't really make me feel too much for a lot of the characters. So, and it's kind of like you know, the city falls, and you get a, you get your light back pretty quickly. You retake the city back pretty quickly too. So, I'm sure if they drew it out a little more and added a little more meat to the the stories and the characters, I could have really could have a good solid grade there. But I was a little left, a little underwhelmed with that part. But that said. Um, as soon as I finished it, and I, I talked to certain characters, like I talked to Zavala, Akura, Cade, all the uh, uh, the Vanguard, to uh, get them all updated now that I finished the the, the campaign, and the floodgates just opened. <laughs> all sorts of, I mean, I still had some side adventures I had to do, they added a few more there. I saw that there are strikes now available to me, patrols... I could go to Akura and relive certain memories as kind of like a reflection, which I haven't done yet, but I'm curious to see where it goes and if there's better loot for me for it. There's a lot to do. <laughs> and uh, I've already got the prompt to start getting the raid going. Uh, the Leviathan raid, I need to be at 216 above. I'm currently at 243, so slowly but surely I'm getting there, but... You know, in due time, as I build my way in the ranks of the banner and finish these side adventures, I'm sure I get there pretty quick. Um, so I can see what people are saying now, that the real meat of the game opens up after the campaign is complete. And there, there is a lot to do. I'm a little overwhelmed by that as much as I was underwhelmed by the campaign itself. So I'm still going to be busy with this stuff, and... You know, I'm in a clan too, so I'm definitely getting a good chunk of rewards to help contribute to the to the light level. So I'm hoping as I get my way up there that the the end game, which is the Leviathan raid, will really help me uh you know, really help me feel uh the real the real the real meat of the game. Uh, the raids are always the popular ones that uh that Bungie gets to do in these games and you know when I get to that point and get to my get my clan together I'm really hoping to test it out. So, so I'm digging. You know, they're 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 delivering on the variety. That's for sure. That we missed a lot in the very first launch of Destiny One. So I gotta give kudos to Bungie for this. I'm sure I'll keep you guys updated some more on 
more of the uh, the updates I get through. If there's any more surprises that come my way, but it's 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 definitely solid. Definitely a step up the, that the, I'm sure Bungie wanted to see happen with this one that they really couldn't get right the first time. But you know we seem to have a lot of games that their second time around. Assassin's Creed 2 comes to mind where you saw the potential in the first Assassin's Creed and once they got to Ezio and the Italian Renaissance and really tightened down on the controls and gameplay, it became the kind of hit that really spawned a huge franchise for Ubisoft. So Bungie is definitely uh, doing that well with this one and still got a couple of DLCs coming up down the road that they're hoping to uh, get that hashed out. So good start so far. I'll let you guys know more new things as I get to them. That is it for me tonight, folks. Thank you once again for all your listening ears, for putting on your mobile devices, your laptops, your tablets, whatever is your particular listening pleasure. I'm not sure how comfortable it feels having an iPad glued to your ear if you're on the train or going to work with it, but hey, who am I to judge? <laughs> but I do appreciate the time, and I see the numbers out there. I see you guys listening. Uh, you guys are really good to kind of help out the show um i do i am trying to get my do my best to get back a little more game dev time it's been kind of a struggle lately it was my my birthday this past weekend so i really spend a lot of time with family and friends celebrating that of course work is always uh up there and keeping me busy throughout the weekdays so i, I and of course i mean i gotta play too so gotta let you guys know what i'm seeing out there and playing out there but it's still on the radar. I don't want you to guys to think I'm totally abandoning this. I'm just admittedly kind of in a bit of a struggle time-wise to allocate that time. So in due time, hopefully, I'll be able to share a little more updates on what I'm doing next with that. So please stay tuned for that and all the other great things that are coming down the pipeline. But for now, if you have any feedback on the show, if you have any questions, you can do it a couple of ways for me here if you have the anchor app you can go right on there and search for video game fury you can also go to anchor.fm slash video game fury as well it's very easy to leave a call in on the show just uh look for the call button when you uh when you when you find me record whatever it is you want to say if you want to comment on anything on the show today or previous to that please go free to do that do a call in i'll give it a listen and who knows you may end up on the show and be super famous at the same time it could work that way. Or if you don't want that kind of limelight, you can also email me at tim at videogamefury.com. Anything a little more long form you want to share over the emails, I'm always happy to read those too. And you can also check me out on facebook.com slash videogamefury79 in case there's like really impromptu things that come on the news or something that I quickly find and just want to post on the web. You can check that on there. It usually ends up being something we talk about on the show a little more in depth as well. So you can always check that out too to get a little more uh, social Insta news on the, on the Facebooks of the world. So that is the show. I am done for the night. I am signing off. Thank you once again for your time and hope you guys had a great day. We'll be back in the next day or so with another edition of Video Game Fury. Until next time, guys, have a great night and enjoy your games.